Hello and welcome to the Positive Choices Podcast, where we give you brain-based strategies to help children make positive choices, solve social problems, regulate strong feelings, and thrive. I'm Lindsay Keeley, a social and emotional learning specialist and your host. If you're a working American adult, it's likely that you're poor. Poor in time, that is. In fact, there's an 80% chance that you identify as not having enough time in your schedule, something that researchers call time famine. In this episode, we'll talk about what you can do to find more time in your schedule to make room for making lasting and positive relationships in your life. Let's get started. Hi there, thanks for joining me. And today we're talking about something I am so excited to talk about. It's all about time management and how we can take a reflection on where our time is going and reprioritize what we're doing with our time. And specifically as it pertains to setting boundaries with our work. So to begin this episode, I wanna tell a quick story about a time in which my priorities with work were completely out of whack. This happened a couple years ago, and again, as I've mentioned before, I live in Central Oregon, and sometimes for winter, we have a crazy snow season, tons and tons of snow, and for Thomas, my husband, he absolutely loves it. He is a skier and snowboarder, so the more snow, the better. I am the opposite. I'm from Southern California, so it didn't really snow this last winter very much, and I was totally okay with it, although I definitely didn't flaunt it with Thomas. So one year, it was the year that Thomas was thrilled because we had something called, or that a lot of people called, snowpocalypse. We received so much snow that year. In fact, there were multiple snow days, and we had to make up those days. This is when I was teaching kindergarten. And what happened was, in fact, there was so much snow, one of the school's tragically had the roof collapse in the gymnasium area. And luckily there weren't any kids who were injured there. Luckily it was a time where kids were not in the, that building. So we were very grateful that no one was hurt. However, all of a sudden when we found out that the roof had collapsed under the weight of so much snow, all of the elementary schools were getting notifications saying Teachers have to leave the building. Now, this um, roof co- this roof collapse occurred before the kids arrived to school, right before, in fact. And so we were notified over the intercom at my school, attention staff, we need to have you please exit the building. There has been word that it is not safe at this point until we accurately assess every school to see if the roofs are safe to hold all of the snow. And just to show you where I was coming from, where I was at in that point in my life with work, I was sitting at my laptop, I heard the announcement, and I was working on it must have been report cards or I was I was doing something that at the time felt very important that was work-related. And in my head, I literally thought, that's probably not going to happen, right? Like I was working at a school that was really new. And in my head, I thought, this is a pretty new school. I'm sure that the construction is probably better than the other school that had the issue because I'd received an email already about that, the tragic roof collapse. And so here I am at my desk, still working. And my principal, who is amazing, um, when I worked at her school, it was just an incredible work experience. But she came down and she said, staff to the teachers. Now, this was the kindergarten and first grade wing, and we 
as a staff in that department were so, so dedicated, as were the rest of the staff at the school. Um, and here we are, a lot of us teachers, we're hunkered down in our classrooms, typing and working. And my principal said, I'm sorry, but we're going to lock up this wing. Like, you need to leave. It's a matter of safety, and, and we can't let you stay here. And so this was something, as I reflect, I was... I was actually very humbled to remember that I had a very difficult time setting boundaries. That was just one little example. And it's kind of kind of an extreme one because here we have the possibility of the roof literally collapsing under the pressure of snow. But as I was learning about time management, this is something that I've recently become more aware of. I thought, well, I think I'm okay at that. It just goes to show you my inaccurate uh, appraisal or assessment of my own pattern and history with work boundaries. And I thought, I think I'm okay. You know, I, overall, I've, I've really tried to kind of have some boundaries there. But then my husband, Thomas, said, you know, remember that snow day? And I said, oh, yeah, you're right. And we both laughed about this. And one of the reasons why I'm even doing this episode and, and focusing some time on time management is because recently Thomas said, you know, I think it'd be helpful if we talk about time. And I've noticed that in the evening, you know, um, you're working on those books that you're so excited about, but sometimes you come to bed like at 1030, 1130. And I was able to reflect and say, oh yeah, you're right. Like I've been so excited about writing these books and having them available on Amazon for people to have access to so they can help their kids with emotion regulation, problem solving. So all these things I'm really passionate about. However, when Thomas brought to my awareness that this is having an effect on, on our relationship and he wanted for us to have an open dialogue about it, I was so glad that he said something because it allowed me to revisit a previous time in my life when I also had more difficulty with setting boundaries with work. And it allowed me to dig into the research and see, am I alone in this? What What's out there? What are some things I can do and other people can do? And as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's an 80% chance if you're a working American that you're poor in time. So I want to first talk about the work of Dr. Ashley Willens and talk about what she researched, what she found, and then what we can do about it. Dr. Willens is a professor of business administration at Harvard Business School. She co-founded the Department of Behavioral Science in the Policy, Innovation, and Engagement Division of the British Columbia Public Service Agency. She has a PhD in behavioral science, and she is the author of Time Smart, How to Reclaim Your Time and Live a Happier Life. This book was published in 2020 by Harvard Business Publishing, and her work essentially finds a link between time stress and happiness, and she really gives practical tools for people to understand what they can do to be intentional with their time. Dr. Willens talks about the concept of time famine, which is feeling pressed for time, feeling like you have too many things to do and not enough time in the day to do them. Now, they actually had a survey of two and a half million Americans, and as previously mentioned, Four out of five Americans felt like they were experiencing varying degrees of time famine, that they didn't have enough time in the day. So while we are seeing rising rates of time poverty, there's actually more reason for us to have more time for things like leisurely activities, time to connect with others than those who were working in the 1950s. Think about all of the wonderful technologies we can enjoy, things like dishwashers. 
washing machines and microwaves. These things help us with having extra time. In fact, now that I have a dishwasher, I am so grateful for the time of not having to wash dishes by hand. The first three years that Thomas and I were married in the apartment we were in, we did not have a dishwasher, so I have a whole new appreciation of it. But even though we have a dishwasher now, I myself still identify as experiencing time famine. And I word it as such because time famine or time poverty is actually a subjective experience. It's the way that we view how much time we have and what that looks like in our lives. Now, you might be thinking, as I certainly was, so what if I have a hard time with my time? Sure, I experience time famine, but I'm getting a lot of things done. If it weren't for me prioritizing the time that I have and working so much, I wouldn't have two new books on the market. However, what we find in the research is that those people who are starving for time and have this negative feeling, it affects our well-being. In fact, those who experience time famine or perceived time famine, that is, are actually more depressed, more anxious, and less happy than those who feel like they have adequate or enough time. In fact, those who find themselves prioritizing money and work over their time actually are about 18% less likely to interact with a peer at work and less likely to carve out time for those around them, their family members, friends, the people that mean much to them in their lives. I can certainly attest to the lack of interacting with peers at work when I worked at that elementary school. It wasn't until my last year working there that I actually sat down and ate in the staff lunchroom. I had an incredible student teacher, and on a few occasions, I gave her space in the classroom to set up, and so I went and sat down in the lunchroom with my colleagues. And the first time I did this, a staff member walked in and saw me sitting down, and she said, oh my gosh, Lindsay, are you okay? Like, is something wrong? Why are you sitting here and enjoying your lunch with others? And this was just a moment where I laughed out loud. And it was a experience for me where I realized, wow, I think this might be the first time that I've sat down and prioritized connection with other staff. Now I want to pause for a moment and make sure to articulate this message about time famine and prioritization doesn't need to cause shame. I really want to make sure that I'm not saying anything in regard to people feeling like, gosh, I'm not able to perform well at work to the extent I want to. Now I'm realizing that I'm not prioritizing my time and that's another area where I'm struggling. That's definitely not the message I want to communicate and articulate. And in fact, sometimes, for instance, me working through my lunch break, that wasn't necessarily a reflection of my deliberate intention to not work and sit down with colleagues, but rather it was a reflection of how difficult the job was and how the number of things that were on my plate, how that made it really challenging. So I definitely think as we reflect on the systems that are in place, as we reflect on where we're at in our work environments and taking kids to soccer practice and cello and all of these different pressures and things that fill up our schedules, I definitely want to make sure you know that this isn't any kind of messaging that needs to have an element of shame, but rather 
just informative and it allows us to think through, okay, the system might not be designed to allow me to have this surplus time and to allow me to adequately prioritize connection with peers or colleagues at work. However, I'm going to have to make adjustments in my schedule. I'm going to have to let certain things go a little bit to be able to adjust things to prioritize what matters. So now that we know a little bit about time famine, how it affects us at a well-being level, as well as the challenges that we experience as we work with these schedules and sometimes unrealistic pressures that are given to us in our work environment, Let's pause and talk about practical things that you can do to start to have more time in your schedule and also increase happiness and minimize this time stress that most of us experience. So tip number one is create a priorities list. Write down your top three to five things that give you joy, meaning, and purpose in your life. Now, once you've written them down, stop for a moment and look back at your calendar. Do you prioritize these things on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Maybe put a check mark as you look back at last week to see the number of times that you made space in your schedule for that particular person or element of your life. For me personally, some of my top priorities in my life are my relationship with God and my faith my husband and my relationship with him, my family and my friends, and how I prioritize my mental and physical health, whether it's exercising outdoors or taking time to reflect and breathe. These are things that are meaningful to me. Now, I wanted to practice all of these tips out that I'm giving to you before this episode to see what it's like. And it was humbling. I look back at the previous week and I realized I did not go on a date night. My husband and I did not go to church. We watched it online, but it still isn't the same in terms of what I experienced. And I did not work out once and I didn't go on a walk. So, which is one of my goals to go outside and hike or walk. So this is something where I was able to pause and say, okay, rather than writing my typical to-do list, which includes everything for work, the emails I have to write, the content I'm creating. Now I'll still write those to-dos, but I'm going to start with writing my priorities at the top of my list. How am I going to fit this into my schedule? Just like you wouldn't skip out on a dentist appointment or a doctor appointment. We all don't want to have to pay that fee for canceling within 24 hours. Just like you wouldn't skip out on one of those appointments, We don't want to skip out on the things that are important to us. So pencil it in and make it happen. And as I mentioned before, I know that that's way easier said than done. Now for tip number two, I want to ask you a question. What would it be like for you if I said I could give you an extra two and a half hours every day? Would that help with your time famine issue? Do you feel like you could get those extra things on your to-do list done? I certainly would. When I read an article that talked about having two and a half extra hours every day, I practically skipped around the room. I could so use that extra time. And here's the thing. You can. This is actually feasible. And it all starts by setting down your phone. The average American spends two and a half hours every day on social media, scrolling Instagram, checking Facebook, looking at Twitter, watching YouTube videos. These are all things that steal our attention and take up our time. If you're like me, you probably are thinking, wait a minute, 
I never spend two and a half hours on my phone on social media. However, the thing about social media and the apps on our phones is that it takes little bits and pieces of time throughout the day and it all adds up. In fact, the average American spends almost 17 hours per week on social media and it happens in little chunks. Let's say you go out to take your lunch break. What do you have in your hand? Well, you have your lunchbox and you also have your phone. You're checking an email. You're looking at Instagram. You're finding that someone actually commented on your Facebook post and you're going to reply to them. What's the first thing that you look at when you wake up in the morning? Is it your phone? Are you checking social media? Maybe opening up that news article on Apple News and seeing what's happening in the world? As we reflect and look at the course of our day and think about all the little times and the little things we do that relate to social media, and especially on our phone, these things start to add up. In fact, Dr. Willens calls this time confetti. She asserts that time poverty is actually caused in large to our consistent connection to technology. She refers to this as time confetti, which fragments our leisure time. So rather than going on a walk and calling our mom on our lunch break, we open up social media and these little times add up. So what can we do about this natural gravitational pull that we feel towards social media and our smartphones? Well, first off, we can bring awareness and attention to our own personal usage. You can look at things like screen time if you have an iPhone and take a look and see in front of you the data that shows how much time you're spending on your phone. You can visualize the concept of time confetti every time you open up Instagram. Visualize confetti and the fragmentation that's occurring with your time that could otherwise be spent on getting some of those big to-do list items done or maybe reaching out to a friend and calling your mom. Now, the next thing you can do is set screen time limits. And this is really what helped me. So decide in your mind, okay, I wanna have 15 minutes of Instagram or I wanna have 10 minutes of Facebook and 20 minutes of YouTube. It might seem like a lot, but you're gonna find that it's actually limiting to what you're used to. In fact, when I first did this, I called Thomas and said, hey, what's the password again to screen time on my phone? I need to open up Instagram again to finish this post for the podcast. And ironically, he forgot the passcode, so I couldn't open up Instagram. But it was actually the best thing ever because I realized I could wait till tomorrow. Just because I posted my episode that day, didn't mean that the promotional had to come out on social media. So you might find that this process is liberating. Tip number three is to identify a quitting time. When do you want your workday to end? When do you want it to begin? When you have this time in your mind, let's say five o'clock, try to stick to it. So for instance, my current goal is to have my quitting time be five o'clock every day. I wanna wrap up work things at five o'clock and then revisit it tomorrow. This means I close up my laptop, I put all of my sketch pads and things that I use to illustrate in a drawer, and I try to be present. I recommend that you set an alarm on your phone so that way every day at five o'clock, if that's your time, your timer goes off. I also recommend setting an alarm 30 minutes before your quitting time. So at 4.30, my phone goes off and it makes me realize, okay, I have 30 minutes left. And I found that the 30 minutes that are set aside before my quitting time are the most productive. I send so many emails in 30 minutes, I never would have imagined how productive or how many emails I could have sent prior to this system. So identify a time you want to end, set an alarm for 30 minutes prior and for your quitting time, and try to stick to it. 
The last tip is to create an accountability system. Whether this is having someone in your life who knows you quit at five, maybe your friend gives you a call at five to see if you're done. Maybe if you have a spouse or partner, they come into your office or call you when you're at work and say, can't wait to see you on your way home. You could have a code word or or some kind of way to encourage your partner or for them to encourage you. Thomas has the song, It's Quitting Time on his phone. And if he's home while I am, he'll even play it and we both laugh about it. Now, you can also infuse accountability by putting some things on your schedule. For instance, when I did my priority list and then checked it against my typical schedule, that's tip one, I found that I didn't have a lot of friend time built in and I wasn't exercising like I wanted to. So to kind of remedy that, I found a intro to yoga class and it's like intro intro because I can't even touch my toes and I can try to oh, let's say take calming breaths and clear my mind for 30 seconds. I think that's my record right now. So I called a friend and our accountability system is to go to yoga class every Tuesday. So that's another way that you can infuse an accountability system into your schedule. So to recap the tips, number one, create a priority list and check it against your typical schedule. Number two, limit your consumption of social media. Number three, identify a quitting time for work and try to stick to it. And tip number four is to create accountability within your life so that you can try to prioritize your time better and take back some of that time famine and regain control of your time to have a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this episode. If it was meaningful or helpful to you, we would love it if you rate and review our podcast and you can make sure to find all of our tips and extra resources that we provide to our listeners on Instagram and Facebook at positive choices and positive is spelled P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-E. Again, we appreciate your time and I hope that you have a wonderful week. Talk with you soon.